Well, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to John chapter 8, John chapter 10. Be ready there. Uh, We have been planning for months what we're about to dig into from now until December. Uh, What we want you to grab hold of, what I want to grab hold of for me, is that the words of Jesus are so true. As a matter of fact, in Isaiah, uh, it says that God's word will be fulfilled perfectly. Uh, That means every prophecy would be perfectly fulfilled. Every promise, every promise of God is not just thrown out there. It's something that you and I are supposed to experience. And so when Jesus in John 10 said that there's a thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and life abundantly. The great desire of the Lord is that you would have that abundant life. And we want to talk about how to have it. Uh, Jesus in John 8, uh, verses 31 and 32 said, If you are my disciples, you will continue in my word, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, I want you to think about that, because what's sad today is that not only do we see people in bondage, are you ready for this? We see Christians in bondage. Uh, When Moses stood and said, let my people go, I want to tell you, I think the Lord right now is looking at many of us and, and saying, I want you to be set free. I want it to be real. I want it to be vibrant. I want your joy to be so powerful. It overwhelms every circumstance and every possible life situation. And yet, what do we find? We find people literally in bondage to many things, to hurt, to addiction, to pain. And if you were with us last week, remember Paul said, we get addicted to self. He said, the very problem far too often is me. It's me when I look in the mirror. And he said, but I found this principle that when I want to do what's right, I find myself doing what's wrong. And then later on in Romans 7, what do you say? But there's an answer. Praise God. Thank God. The answer is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I want you to know what we're about to talk about really works. It really works. And we want you to experience it. But we can't have you miss this. That Jesus said, there's a thief. There are people who are literally finding their lives robbed of what matters. Maybe it's you in some small way or a large way, but something criminal is going on. And we don't want to be taken into that. Father, as we begin this series and we look at your promises today, I pray that more than ever, we would be the ones who live the abundant life. And that we're not, Lord, we're not ripped off. We're not the, the, uh, finding something criminal happening in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen.
it's interesting because I got to tell you that I have wanted us to use that song for a long time. We were sitting in creative team going over it. And what happened is uh, uh, one of the guys in the room goes, wait a minute. Do you know what the words to that song are? And you know, it's interesting. The song's upbeat. It's exciting. It's even a little bit fun. But it's talking about the murder of a young girl. I mean, it, it, her door closes. And then there's blood everywhere. And you might say, okay, Chuck, why would we want to use that? And here's why. Because I want to tell you a lot of people, that's too much a description of their lives. You see, I think about the couple that walks into church. And week after week, many of us look at them and know them. Not realizing the smile we see, even standing next to each other, the body language that's portrayed. They walk out of here and they shut the door of their apartment or their home. And they feel trapped in a marriage they want out of so badly. They're dying inside, one or both of them. And one of them is about ready to hit a place where they never want to come back again. And they're willing to go through any kind of devastation just to get out. Because they feel so trapped and so hurt and so down and so filled with despair. I think about a young girl that I knew for a long, long time who sat down. And all of a sudden, she couldn't stand it anymore and she broke. And uh, when the door shut on her house, the nightmare was too real. And she's crying and she's saying these words, but it was my dad. What her dad inflicted on her and none of us knew. And here's the question. How would she ever be set free from that kind of terror? Because there is an answer. And hiding and enclosing the door and not being willing to admit that there's something going on isn't the answer. Um, I think about the, the girl who was crying and hurting because she had given what she felt was the best years of her life in a relationship. They dated. She always thought they'd get married and he breaks up with her and a month later he's engaged to someone else. And man, it just killed her. And she starts wondering about who she is or, or the number of people that are literally addicted to some kind of form of almost self-medication to numb themselves. So we see them and they smile and they try to hide. But when they shut the door and they begin to imbibe in those kinds of things, it leads to destruction of their body and their life. Or maybe it's the couple or a person that's so financially in debt, they can never live the life that God wanted them to live. And we talk about doing this or doing that, but they're in such bondage to something. They can never be set free of it. And this is anything but what Jesus wanted for us. When he said that I have come that you might have life and life abundantly, he really meant it. And, and, and I want to tell you, this is the key. If you don't get anything else out of today, these words are true because they give birth to truth in our life if we let him. Part of the truth is there's a thief that does kill and steal and destroy. But the bottom line is when we come to know Christ and we know everything that happens, he wants us to set us free. That's why the theme verse of all this is if you continue in my word, John 8, 31 and 32. If you continue in my word, you are disciples of mine. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The words of Jesus, the power of the spirit, the relationship with Christ really is the answer. That's why last week Paul said, but thank be to God. It said in Romans chapter seven, that the answer is found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
There really is an answer. And it's not just empty words. You and I are made to be set free. You and I are made to conquer. You and I are made in every situation, in every circumstance to experience God in amazing ways. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 39, and catch what's going on here. This follows that idea that Jesus Christ is the answer to every situation, even a freedom from self. And it says this, it says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? What is against us? Nothing. It says this in verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also, don't miss this, intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Who or what? what? What can separate us from the love of Christ? Look what it goes on to say. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as it is written for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered, but, but in all these things. Now, what are all these things? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Someone trying to kill you. Someone attacking you. uh, uh, Everything being taken from you. He says, but in all these things, what happens? We overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that, that's how we're to live. Where nothing, nothing can stand against us. Nothing can take us down. Nothing can rob our joy. I love the way that the verse 37 is translated in the New King James Version. It says it this way. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him. We don't just conquer. We're more than conquerors. We don't just find victory. We find ourselves overcoming in an amazing way. And that's who we need to be. And let me say it again. It works. I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of others. Pam and I have a friend named Tim Hansel, and Tim was a football player at Stanford University. Strong, strong Christian man, amazingly intelligent on the the realm of being a genius, and uh, uh, loved the outdoors. And so when he graduated from Stanford, he founded an outdoor ministry where he would bring people into situations to be able to minister and, and help them grow in Christ. His love of the outdoors would take him on all sorts of adventures. Well, one day he was actually up with some friends, and they were climbing And they walked over an ice bridge and Tim, just not even thinking, kicked at it and it caved in. He turned upside down and went nearly seven stories upside down into a crevice, landing like this on his head. It took hours for them to find a way to get him out and they thought we had to get him out. And when they finally got him up on the top, he laid there and they said, are you okay? And he said, I think so. And he stood up and they literally gasped. He said, what is it? And they said, Tim, you're shorter. And then he collapsed. He just fainted. His spine collapsed when he hit. He lost almost two inches of height, maybe three. And, and when he finally was, was brought to the hospital, the doctor said, it's a miracle that he's alive. It was even more of a miracle. He could walk. 
There's no way he should be able to walk. But here's what I want you to know about my friend Tim Hansel. Tim is in constant pain. He would never, ever be able to not be in pain. No matter how much, all they could do is literally put him under to take away the pain. And so he had choices about how much medication to take. And he always tried to take the least amount possible. But I want to tell you, this guy's an overcomer. He wrote some amazing books. One of my favorite is called, I Eat My Problems for Breakfast. I love that one. But one day, Pam and I were in a Red Robin. And we're sitting there having, a, you know, getting ready to eat and stuff. And I look over and I see Tim. And uh, that day was a particularly bad day. He's got a walker. And, and he's trying to make it. Sometimes he'd use crutches. Sometimes he'd walk. But now he's in such pain. And I watched him trying to follow the hostess as he's trying to follow behind. And man, you could see every movement, just a grimace of pain and sweat coming off of him. And, and so I thought, I don't know if I want to interrupt him or not. And, and then he got kind of an eye distance. And just as he looked at me, I said, Tim. And, and I watched him go from pain to just smiling. And he goes, Chuck, Pam. And he comes over as fast as he can. And he starts telling us jokes and laughing. And do you know, he wasn't going to let pain keep him down. Uh, uh, he chose to do some things to help. Most of all, pray and meditate. But something else he does, he carries toys in his pocket. Whenever the pain gets bad, he pulls out little boy toys and plays with them. Now you think about that. Isn't that great? One time, he was with another friend of ours in a Marie Callender's restaurant. And uh, the hostess was exceptionally slow to come to him. And standing is the worst possible position for Tim. And so our friend looked at Tim and said, hey, do you want me to you know, sit down? Do you want me just to go get a table and make it ours? And he goes, no, no, it'll be okay. Well, this guy's getting more irritated than ever that she's taking time to get to him, knowing his pain. He goes, no, no, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. And he goes, watch this. And he picked up the sign that says, please wait here to be seated. And he put it in front of the bathroom. And he goes, watch. And they stood there. And he said, sure enough, a guy walked up and saw the sign and stood and waited. And they're cracking up. I mean, what did he think is going to happen? Open the men's door seating for one? You know, I mean. And it works. I mean, you might say, oh, okay, these are just nice words. Not to Tim Hansel. This is life and life abundantly. He won't be beaten down. And we see this over and over. I've listed it in your notes, but I'm going to go pretty quick. And if you can follow along, do it. But I want to go through some promise and what I would like to call power passages. And I want you to think about what's being said concerning the idea that you and I would die. Concerning death being imminent. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when the doctor looks you in the eye and says, I'm sorry, you've got three months to live. You go, oh, that is awesome. He's like, no, 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 wait. No, I get to go to heaven. I mean, I, I don't want you to rush it. Please, this is the message. Don't rush it. But, but how bad is that? No more crying, no more sorrow, no more pain. You get to eat all you want and not gain weight. I mean, that's heaven. Now, why would you be sad about that? And you know what? I know that when we have someone pass away, I'm not taking away from the hurt from having them ripped from our lives. But come on, if they're a believer and they're in heaven, do we really want them back? I mean, how cruel would that be? And Paul says, when I think about the idea that we might die, he says, what do I say? Thanks be to God. Uh, uh, there was a man I heard speak one time. He, he was in prison. And what happened is he gave his life to Christ. And for some reason that caused other prisoners to turn on him. And one night he's laying in his bunk and another prisoner somehow had gotten out of the cell and he spoke through the, 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 the opening uh, that, that they would serve food through. And he says, 
One night we're going to come and we're going to kill you in your sleep. And he turned over and said, hey, man, don't threaten me with heaven. <laughs> I mean, he goes, you think I want to be here in prison or in heaven? I'll take heaven. You know, and it, it, what, that's what it's like. And a lot of people go, oh, oh, those are nice thoughts. No, this is real. This is real. There's a place we go to if we know Jesus Christ. And that's why he would say that. Concerning a fear that comes around because of someone else. I mean, I think a lot of us go, okay, if it's me, I can take it. But when it's someone else who's hurting, someone else who's in pain, someone else we care about, what happens in that situation? Paul was beside himself in concern for Titus. But what does he write in 2 Corinthians 2.14? But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. The context of that is caring for someone immeasurably. And yet God gives him a peace and a power and a knowledge that somehow, some way, this will turn out to something beautiful and incredible if he keeps trusting in Jesus. Concerning physical conditions. I talked about my friend Tim Hansel, but think about what the Apostle Paul said and how he lived. This is a key. He was set free from physical pain. There are some of you today who have lots and lots of reasons to be concerned because pain never seems to leave your body. But God wants you to be free from that governing you. And it can be. Listen to what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. And he, God, has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, Paul says, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecution, with difficulties. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. He said, I found that in the the worst physical condition I could be in, I could never have more joy and victory. Why? Jesus does something to transform it. I I met another guy who I just think is incredible. And and I think this is kind of interesting. He was born without hands. I mean, right where your, your wrists are, there's nothing there. He's just got two stumps. He was born that way. And you know what? When he was a little kid, he wouldn't let that stop him. When he got older, he gave his life to Christ and wouldn't let it stop him. And he thought, you know what I want to do? I want to play football. But he thought, you know, you ready for this? I don't want to just play football. I want to be a receiver. He goes, but you don't have any hands. He was an incredible receiver. I mean, he found a way. And man, he could block and hit and he could catch the ball somehow. He just wouldn't quit. And then he thought, you know what else I want to do? I love animals. And so I want to become a horseback rider. Now I want you to think about that. No hands and ride horses. But not just ride. He wanted to compete. Well, in the midst of that, he found his calling and he ended up moving to Montana and had a huge horse ranch and and bred horses and competed and trained people. This no hands man trained people to ride like nobody else. One day he was telling me that he was in a, a feed store and he walked up to look at the oats for the horses. And whenever he went around, he always walked around like this, not because he was embarrassed. He just didn't want to make other people feel uncomfortable. So if he put his stubs in his pockets, he was okay. And he walked up to this uh, uh, whole bin of oats and he was checking it out to see if it was good for his horses. So he pulls out his nubs and he's hitting in. And all of a sudden he looks over and there's this little boy standing there looking at him wide-eyed. And he said he loves kids because kids always talk about it. And he looked at him and the little boy said, "Um, um, Mr., um, you don't have any hands. And he looked and goes, oh my gosh, they must have fallen in the oats. Help me. And they start digging. (laughs) 
he overwhelmingly conquers. He's found the abundance of life. And we can do that. It works. It works. Uh, Concerning financial situations. You know, some of you today who are here are doing pretty well financially. Others of you are not. Let me ask you, what does Jesus do in those situations if you trust him? Paul knew what it was like to be rich and have everything. And he knew what it was like to have nothing. And coming out of a time where people actually had to give to him so he could make it. Listen to what he says, Philippians 4, 10 to 13. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. And not that I speak from want. For I have learned to be content in whatever situation and circumstances I am. He said, I I, I just have learned. I've learned a secret. And the secret's found in Christ. And in verse 12, he says, I know how to get along with humble means. And I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Did you hear when he wrote those words? When the finances were horrible and there's nothing and he can't make it without people giving to him. And he said, guess what? But I've learned contentment and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, we're not at the mercy of the economy. We're in the hands and we have mercy from God and that's all that matters. And that's what takes us through. What about the devil himself? What if the, your enemy is Satan is targeting you specifically? First John 4, 4 says, You are from God, little children, and overcome them, because greater is he is in you and than he was in the world. In other words, if Satan decides to appear in your bedroom tonight, you're going to win. Not because of you, because of him. You have that power. In Revelation 12, 11, listen to what it says. When the devil stands in heaven accusing us right before the rapture, it says this, And they overcame him. Because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. Now, now notice the three keys that he brings victory over the devil. He says, number one, being under the blood of the lamb. If you and I are going to be set free, we have to know him. We have to be his. We have to have given our life to him and be washed clean. By the way, when you're under the blood of the lamb, and many of you already know this, but make sure you all, we all know it, that Jesus died on the cross to cleanse us of our sins The times we've been monstrous, the times we've been mean, the times we have been selfish and cruel and hurt others. He died to forgive us and wash us clean of that. But he also, are you ready for this? He also died to heal us from our afflictions. The time people have been that way towards you. And and, and we don't want to walk around carrying that baggage when the blood of Christ has been put upon us to cleanse us and set us free. And in Christ, you become a new creation. You're not that person anymore. Talking with the girl I told you about whose father had harmed her horribly. She didn't have to take that into her marriage. Why? Because Jesus Christ set her free. She didn't have to let that guard her life and guide her life because Jesus Christ set her free. And here's the thing. Don't miss this. She suffered, but she found in Christ freedom that you cannot imagine. And it took away the power her father had over her and the power of what he did how over her. She was set free. And I don't know what you go through, what you've been through, some minors, many major, but I can tell you it works if you're under the blood of Christ. And then it says this, they overcame him because of the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony, because we could talk about the things that God does in our life, because we could talk about those moments we were taken into trial and we came out the other side golden and pure. Now, I know there might be some of you right now, if you're really listening, who'd say this, Chuck, it's not that easy. 
And I want to say something, please. And this is, I really want to talk with you about this. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it works. And you know what? If it was easy, everybody would have it. Only a few have it. Those who really truly want what God has for them. When I see people walking around with the, the weight of the world on their shoulders, they go, but you don't understand. I probably don't. But I can tell you that Jesus Christ does. You've never shed a tear he doesn't hold on to. And you've never, ever been in a problem that he can't help you overcome and make you more than a conqueror. And if you walk down, then uh, under the weight of that, it's time to get out. Jesus said, if you're weary and heavy laden, come to him. And he'll take that off of you. He'll set you free from that burden. And he'll begin to guide you in the life he has for you. Is it easy? No. But does it work? Yes. And maybe, maybe it's better when it's not easy. Maybe it's better when you've had those moments uh, of pain. And they've had that time where you couldn't find a way. And God took you through it. And you conquered. You know what we call people like that? We call them heroes. We call them heroes. And it's time to rise up. It's time to be his. It's time to not let culture or circumstances or evil dictate our lives. It's time to find these words being true. And then what happens? We have a word of testimony. People want to hear the story of what happened when you put yourself in the hands of a living God who nothing can stand before. That's what he wants for you. And it says this, and they did not love their life even when faced with death. In other words, you know what? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing stops us from being his. Nothing will keep us from wanting to serve him. Not a world that stands in in opposition to him or tries to get us to compromise. We stand strong in him. You see, these are not just pat answers. I am. One time I heard a friend of mine was going to be speaking and I knew that he had gone through a really tough time. I mean, Pam and I had heard the story of what occurred. We began to pray for he and his wife. And, uh, and I was surprised he was speaking again so soon. So I got to be there. And it broke my heart. He stood up and he started quoting Romans eight twenty eight, For we know that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and live their lives according to his purpose. And he stood there and he, he wasn't just making a play in that moment. He said, you know what? A lot of people quote that verse to me, but it just doesn't work. And man, my stomach churned, my heart broke, and uh, Pam and I got he and his wife aside later, and I said, man, what's going on? Why are you not finding it? Do you love him? I know you do. By the way, it's not some of you here might say, look, I love God. I'm a Christian. It's not work. Well, something's missing because it does work. And uh, it wasn't just us. A lot of other people began to pour into his life. And he began to realize that when, when, when he grabbed hold of real true faith, faith that, that really would give him that strength, that it started to turn everything. And, and now today, if he were here, I know he would say this, that the tragedy he faced that almost brought him to nothing is now what made him stronger than ever. But it works. It's not just pat answers. Chuck Swindoll said this, Life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you react. Your life right now is dictated by 10% of what happens and 90% of the choice you make on how to react. And you have that choice. Now, now I want to tell you that is true. Uh, I, I'm the, uh, one of the older in the crowd here. So all of you who are 